Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at Alumni Hall. I am your host, Tyler, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to call an audible here today. I did have a full Scout the Enemy episode planned for you guys. We were going to do Florida today, but we're going to push that back to next week because as all of you know by now, we just added another five-star prospect to our top-ranked 2024 recruiting class. And this one was a big one, guys. Justin Williams, inside linebacker from Oak Ridge High School in Texas. Big time player. So I wanted to take some time to talk about him today. And also, what's next at the inside linebacker position? And beyond that, what's next for this Georgia recruiting class? Because spots are filling up. I know every time we talk recruiting, I tell you, it's the last time we're going to talk recruiting until next offseason. But every time there's even the slightest bit of movement on the recruiting front, the questions come pouring in. My DMs get flooded. And every time I do one of these recruiting heavy episodes, the numbers are off the charts. So the interest is clearly there. And as I tell you guys all the time, this is a show of, for, and by the people. So if the people want recruiting talk, we'll give you some recruiting talk. Even if I really want to do some more 2023 football season preview stuff, we can we can push that back. We have plenty of time for that. We can hit the pause button for one day and talk a little recruiting. But I don't want to completely ignore our preview stuff, so I am going to throw in a very quick, very brief Vanderbilt Scout on the Enemy segment, not a full episode, segment at the end of the episode today. I was never going to do a full Vandy Scout on the Enemy episode. I I think we did one like the first year that we did the Scout on the Enemy episodes, like I guess eight, nine years ago now. And no one really seemed to care, so we kind of backed off that. Like, like I told you, like we want to produce content that you guys care about. And I know Vanderbilt doesn't really move the needle, and you don't really care all that much because like we should completely decimate Vanderbilt. That's obviously the case. But I do want to just throw a little bit of something at you there. A couple things I want to mention about Vandy at the at the end of the episode, but we'll go recruiting heavy for the first three-fourths of the show. But before we do any of that, I do have some exciting news to share with you guys. I've been teasing this a little bit over the past couple of weeks, and behind the scenes, guys, I have been hard at work trying to teach myself how to do something brand new to me, a brand new skill. It kind of takes me back to when I taught myself how to do this podcast thing all those years ago, about a decade ago. I had absolutely no freaking idea what I was doing, but I sat down, messed around with it, a lot of trial, a lot more error, and eventually figured it out, and here we are today, about a decade later. So uh, I kind of did that all over again, but not with podcasting, this time with videos. You probably figured this out by now, especially those of you who have been with us for a long time. I have been very resistant to the video aspect of recording and producing a podcast. To be honest with you, it completely freaked me out. I am 
I know it's weird because I do a, a, a podcast, so you think like you got to be an extroverted guy, right? Like you, don't, you like to put yourself out there. You're really outgoing. No, not at all. I am an extraordinarily introverted person in my personal life. I can sit here and talk to a microphone all day because like there's no one here. But I'm a super weird, awkward, introverted dude. That's who I am. And the idea of like putting myself out there fully, because like when you do videos, like you're putting yourself out there fully. You get recognized out in public, all that kind of stuff. And it's not that I don't love you guys. I do. I appreciate each and every one of you so much, more than you really could possibly know. I really do appreciate all of you. But it's just kind of uncomfortable for me. So I didn't want to put my, I know myself, I didn't want to put myself in that position. So for nine years now, I have done everything I can to like resist all the requests that we've had from you guys out there over the years, and there have been a lot of them, to do more video stuff. I've resisted that because I like what little anonymity I still have. Like Again, I know I, I put myself out there doing a podcast, but the voice is different than like the full visual. And I just kind of like to be able to, to, to be the weird guy who goes about his business here in Athens and like no one knows who I am. Like that's my happy place. That's my comfort zone. And videos have always scared the hell out of me because it threatens that happy place and that comfort zone for me. But I know you guys want it because, again, I've gotten a lot of requests over the years. And I've kind of also gotten to the point, I mean, here we are, guys. We're almost a decade into this podcast, and this thing has grown beyond, like, my wildest dreams. Like, I always tell you guys, like, we're, we're a mom-and-pop podcast still. Like, we're not big shots or anything like that. But we've grown far beyond what I ever thought was possible. But over the past couple of months, six months or so, really, guys, since the end of last season... I've kind of had this thing in my mind where it's like, okay, like you're, you're doing this thing. You're putting so much time into this. You love it. You're passionate about it. So why are you still kind of only dipping your toe in the water? Why don't you just dive in head first? Like if you're going to do it, do it. Like no half measures. And so here we are. And what I have done is I have started a YouTube channel. It's brand new. I have one video up. I actually just posted it tonight. It's, uh, it's after midnight and I am recording this at this late hour because I had to finish the video. I had to finish edit, editing it and all that. Like the, It's the first one. It's gonna, it won't take me as long in the future, I don't think. This first one took me a while because again, I was trying to figure everything out. And I, was, I did a lot of legwork before I even recorded anything, a lot of research, a lot of messing around. But then like, you know, recording one for the first time, like that's weird, that's different. And there's a lot of trial and again, a lot more error with that. But I figured it out and it took me a while tonight, but I also wanna make sure I get this podcast out to you guys. So. So I'm excited about it. I can't promise it's going to be the best video stuff you've ever seen. Again, I'm brand new to this. I'm just teaching myself all this right now, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I get, I'll get better at it. Just like I do with the podcast. When we first started the podcast, I mean, like we were amateurs. I guess we're still kind of amateurs a little bit, I guess, but I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. And I think the same thing will be true when it comes to video stuff. I feel pretty good about the first video considering it's the first one, but here's what I would ask for you guys. I, I, I know that you guys have been so good to us for so many years and I hate to ask anything else from you guys, but I did put a lot of time into this and I'm going to do everything I can to give you guys not just the content you get here on the podcast, but like stuff beyond the podcast. There's all this stuff that I always want to talk about that I can't really ever fit in the podcast. There's just too much content. So I want to put these these different ideas onto YouTube. And these are going to be short videos. We're not talking like 30, 45 minute videos, hour long videos. No, like we're talking like five to 10 minute long videos. So I'm going to put a link on my Twitter account at glory underscore UGA. Right now, it's really like if you search in, search in like glory UGA YouTube, 
in Google or whatever search engine, like it's really hard to pull it up because it's brand new and it takes a while for the channel to kind of get out there. And I only have one video up. So if you go to Google and type in Glory UGA YouTube, you might not find it. Even if you go to YouTube and type in like Glory UGA podcast, you still might not find it because it's brand new and all the search algorithms and all that. So I'm going to put a link to it on our Twitter account at Glory underscore UGA. And here's what I'm going to ask from you guys. Again, I, I don't have the right to ask anything of you, but if you have it in your heart, if you if you like this show and you want to see more video stuff from us, I would so sincerely appreciate it if you would go to our Twitter account at glory underscore UGA and click on that link, go to the first video, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like, retweet, spread the word, do anything and everything you can to help us get that content out there. I have a lot of ideas for this YouTube channel that I'm very excited about, like doing some actual game breakdowns. It's one thing for me to always sit here and talk about our game breakdowns, but hearing it is one thing, seeing it is a totally different level. And that's really what I've had more requests for than anything is, hey man, like we love your breakdowns, but I would love to see some like video breakdown stuff. So I have a lot of ideas on that level. We're gonna put some gambling picks on there. You know, my bookie's gonna be sponsoring us again this season, and we have a lot of big plans with them with the video stuff. So a lot of great ideas, a lot of fun that we're gonna have on this channel, and I would love for you guys to be a part of it. So again, if you don't mind, if if you enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed that kind of content, I would be so grateful if you would just go to YouTube or go to our Twitter account at first. You might have trouble finding it on YouTube right now because it's so new. And just like, subscribe, and just keep watching the videos. And I would just be so sincerely appreciative of that. And while we're at it, I'll go ahead and throw this out there too. It's that time of year, guys. I know we have some new listeners. So if you're new to the show or if you've, even if you've been around for a while and you haven't ever given us like a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to the podcast on, that would be so incredible if you would help us out there. You have no idea how much that really helps this podcast, those five-star ratings, and, and like taking a few minutes to write a review. That's so, so helpful to us. So again, if you if you have it in your heart, I would be so grateful. If not, I get it. It's all good. No worries. But just uh, just put that out there. So yeah, can't promise the, the videos are going to be like the best quality ever. I think they're pretty good for a first shot, but uh, they'll get better as they go. And I think you guys will really enjoy the content there. All right, guys, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get to today's show. I appreciate you humoring me and allowing me to share that information with you guys. But let's talk some Georgia recruiting. Obviously, the big news on the recruiting front happened yesterday when five-star linebacker Justin Williams pulled the trigger and committed to the G. And this is not just any prospect, guys. He is not only a five-star. He is the number one inside linebacker in the country, according to the On3 industry rankings, and the number nine overall prospect in all of America. And this guy is the truth. I know we all get so excited about quarterbacks, like five-star quarterbacks like Dylan Raiola, and I get it. The guy's awesome, and, and the quarterback is the most important position on the field. Like, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win a high level. Like We understand that. So I get the excitement around five-star quarterbacks. I kind of just wish, as an old-school linebacker myself, an old linebacker coach once upon a time all those years ago, I kind of wish that big-time five-star linebackers and big-time five-star defensive players in general got more love like that. I mean, I think people are excited about Justin Williams, but you don't see the outpouring of support and the outpouring of emotion, the excitement over Justin Williams committing that you saw over Dylan Riola. And again, I get it. Quarterback, I understand that. But Justin Williams is freaking awesome. I know this sounds 
crazy and aggressive, and it is. I understand that. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that Justin Williams is 100% going to be the best inside linebacker to ever play for Georgia. I'm not going to tell you that because you don't know that. I mean, there's so many factors that go into high-level success once you get to college beyond just like your ability and your talent and your tools. Like you have to have the work ethic. You have to have the discipline. You have to have your head on straight. You have to be built right. Like you have to be raised right. There's so many things that go into that that we really don't know anything about. We don't know these kids personally. You might hear a few things here and there, secondhand, thirdhand, but we don't really know these kids. So it's tough to know until they get on campus. But what I can speak to is the talent level that he has. Because if you don't have the talent, you can't be even like remotely mentioned in the conversation with guys like Roquan Smith and Kobe Dean and Quay Walker. You, you just you, you don't belong because you don't have the talent. To be mentioned with guys like Roquan and Kobe, you've got to have the talent, but you also have to have the intangible factors as well because those guys had that in spades. I don't know if Justin Williams has that. I don't know if he's built that way. But what I do know is he at least has 50% of the equation. He has all the physical traits that you could ever possibly want to end up being one of the great linebackers in Georgia history. And I know how crazy that sounds because we're talking about Roquan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall. And we got Pop Dumas Johnson, who's a first-team All-SEC guy right now coming into the season. Smile Munden, who, who I think is better than Pop. I think they're both great, but those are both awesome linebackers, right? And that's that's just like in the Kirby Smart era. You can go back years and years. You can go back to like Odell Thurman, Rennie Curran, and even beyond that. Boss Bailey, guys like that. Will Witherspoon. I mean, the linebacker lineage at this university, guys, it's crazy. It's, it's borderline staggering how many great linebackers that we've had. And we've had an embarrassment of riches under Kirby Smart. I mean, Glenn Schumann has consistently filled that room with elite talent. I mean, I don't think Glenn gets near enough credit for his recruiting efforts. I know a lot of people talk about Todd Hartley and they talked about Sam Pittman all those years. Glenn Schumann, I'm not saying he doesn't get any love. He does. I just don't think he gets near enough love as a recruiter. This guy, when he sets his sight on somebody... He usually doesn't miss. And if he does miss, all he does is go out and get somebody better, which is exactly what he did in this class. Think about how so many people were just losing their minds when we lost Semi Brown and how all of our rivals were pointing their finger and laughing at us. Ha ha, Georgia sucks. You can't even keep guys in state. And then what does Glenn do? He goes out and pulls the number one linebacker in the country who, yes, is better than Sammy Brown. I'm not saying Sammy's not good. Like, I, like we talked about when he first committed to Clemson, really good player. Clemson's a great fit for him. I'm happy for him. I think he probably picked the right school for him. That's great. I, I do not wish him any ill will whatsoever. And this is not sour grapes. Put on the tape, guys. I, I just challenge you. Put on the tape and tell me who is better. Tell me who has a higher ceiling. Tell me who is going to be drafted higher in the NFL draft in a couple of years. If you still think it's Sammy Brown, you're entitled to your opinion. I would just vehemently disagree. I think Justin Williams has all the tools to be that kind of dude, to be a Roquan Smith, to be a Nicobe Dean, a Quay Walker level player. Now, will he get to that point? I don't know. That's where I can't, I can't tell you that. I don't know. All I'm telling you is from a physical standpoint, He's got the goods. And let me let me tell you why. I'll give you just a little bit of an example here. So every spring, there's camps all around the country where high school players, great players, average players, not so great players, whoever, players of all types, all varieties, they come to these camps and they work out. They do some drill work, some seven-on-seven work, and they do some combine testing stuff. And Justin Williams absolutely destroyed the camp circuit this spring. This guy ran a laser-timed, 444 40 yard dash. 
which already makes him the fastest inside linebacker in the Kirby Smart era. And I'm using combine 40-yard dash times to make that claim. There is not one single linebacker in the Kirby Smart era that has run a faster 40-yard dash time at the NFL Combine. And this dude did it as a junior in high school. If he would have been at the NFL Combine this past, what was it, March, April, whenever they have that, if he was there and participating and he put up that 4-4-4 40-yard dash, that would have been good for the third best time among all inside linebackers trying to get into the NFL. He also put up a 4-3-9 short shuttle, which would have been, I think, top four among all linebackers in the 2023 NFL draft class. He also had a 9-10 broad jump, which would put him in the top 10 of all linebackers in the 2024 NFL draft class. That is the kind of athlete that we are talking about here, guys. That is 1% type stuff. That is what cannot be taught. That is raw talent. Now, is that enough? No, it's usually not enough, but it is one hell of a starting point. If you don't have that kind of talent, you're never going to be mentioned as one of the great players. You don't even have that possibility. He's got the possibility. I'm not going to say here and tell you he's going to do it, but he's got a chance because he's got the physical tools. Now, he is a little light. He's 6'2", 210 right now. He needs to get up to about 225 at least. But once he gets into our college strength and conditioning program, our nutrition program, I have all the confidence in the world that he will be able to do that. But I love this guy. And if you watch the tape, measurables are one thing. That's always great. It's a great starting point. But admittedly, that doesn't always translate to the field. Like, I don't know, maybe a guy like uh, Richard Samuel. But when you turn on the tape and you watch Justin Williams play between the white lines, you see a dude that just that gets it, that knows how to play that position. He has the instincts. The athleticism absolutely translates to the field. Obviously, with that type of athleticism, that type of speed, he is a sideline-to-sideline side eraser. He absolutely erases space, erases plays. With his size, the one big concern I would have is his ability to really fit against the run inside the box, but he does a really good job of that at the high school level. Now, it's high school. This is not the SEC we're talking about. You're not, you're not going against SEC caliber offensive linemen, so it's a different story, but still, at the high school level, which is all we have to go off of right now, he does a really good job of attacking downhill, fitting against the run, controlling blockers with his hands, shedding blockers, and making plays at the line of scrimmage. He's also extremely long, which I think gives him a chance to be a really good pass rusher for us. And linebackers, guys, our inside linebackers have become our premier pass rushers over the past couple of years. And maybe that changes in the future if we can start getting some better linebackers at the jack position that actually rush the passer for a living. It's what they do. Maybe if we get some of those guys and some of the guys that we've recruited recently, if they can become those types of players, maybe that'll take some of the, the emphasis off our inside linebackers having to rush the passer. But in recent years, our inside linebackers unequivocally have been our premier pass rushers. And if he needs to be that, I think he absolutely has the tools to be able to, to fill that role for us. So I don't know if you can tell, but I'm extremely excited about adding this guy to our class. Our class is already going to be the runaway best class in the country, maybe one of the best recruiting classes of all time. It will definitely be one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Will it be the best of all time? Remains to be seen. But we've had this number one class locked up for a couple of months now. Now we're just adding insult to injury to the rest of the teams in the country. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows at the inside linebacker position in this 2024 Georgia recruiting class. We are absolutely going to lose Demarcus Riddick, who's been on our commit list for months now. He lives in Alabama. 
He's taken a bunch of visits. He hasn't been to Georgia and to Athens in a while. It's been a pretty open secret for a while now that he is considering a lot of different options. Then he's not going to be in this class. Honestly, I, I don't know why he's still in this class. I, I do know why. He wants to make a big splash when he flips. It's a lot. There's a lot more attention that gets drawn to your commitment when you're flipping from a school as you're announcing where else you're going to go. But a couple of weeks ago, he announced a final decision date. And like when a guy's already committed to a school and then he announces he's going to have his final decision date, like you know he's not going to still be in your class. So it's a foregone conclusion. He's going to be going to either Auburn or Alabama. He actually announces on Wednesday. So like, just be prepared. That's going to happen. And he's a really good player in his own right. He's a top 50 player. I'd love to keep him in this class. He's awesome. He's a really good player. But Justin Williams is better. So, you know, if you're going to lose a guy like, like Riddick, who's the number three linebacker in the country, you can't, you literally cannot do any better then replacing him with the number one linebacker in the country. So on one hand, yeah, it sucks to lose Riddick, but you can't be all that upset when you add the number one inside linebacker. It'd be great to have both of them, but that's not how it's going to work. But here's what is going to happen. We're going to have at least one, maybe two more linebackers join this class. The two guys to watch for are Christopher Jones out of Virginia and Chris Cole. I've talked about both of these guys before. Cole reminds me a lot of Quay Walker coming out of high school. He's a little, he's not undersized. He's just thin right now. He's like, he looks, on tape, he looks even thinner than Justin Williams, but he's a little thin right now. He doesn't really play like inside linebacker, like a true inside linebacker on a consistent basis. He does a lot of rushing the passer off the edge, which is what Quay Walker did. Like Quay played a lot in space, and that's what you see from Cole. They just, he just reminds me a lot of Quay Walker. And you guys remember, Quay wasn't ready right off the bat, and I don't think Cole will be either because he just needs some time to learn how to play that position to fill his body out but give him a year or two and that guy is going to be a big time player like he has first round draft pick potential himself right now Williams is ahead of him but Cole has all the tools himself like he's going to be a really really good player and I hope to God we can land him Christopher Jones the bigger guy also has a really good job rushing the passer off the edge he's more filled out right now than either Williams or Cole so from a physical standpoint, he might be, of, of those three, the one that's best equipped to play early, like as of right now. Like if they were all in college program right now. They were true freshmen. He would be the one that could play the earliest because he's just bigger and stronger and can hold up physically. The other two, I don't know if they're quite there physically yet. They'll get there. They're just not there right now. From what I have been told, we should all feel very, very good about Christopher Jones. I'm talking like within the next week or two, we might hear that he had, has an, he sets an announcement date and he might just pull the trigger here in, in the next couple of weeks. So watch him very, very closely. We're going to take at least two at the inside linebacker position, but if we can get Cole and Jones, we will take three. It's just a matter of can we get Cole? Because right now I feel really good about Christopher Jones. Cole I'm feeling better and better about. I think we have a legitimate shot there. Just uh, remains to be seen. All right, guys, let's quickly talk about a couple other recruits. Again, we don't have a ton of spots left right now. We currently have 26 players on the commit list right now. As, as of this second I'm recording, it's going to be 25 when Riddick decommits. But we're sitting about 25, 26. So I don't know exactly how high we're going to go. We're going to get to at least 30, maybe even all the way up to like 32. So we, we're going to have five to seven-ish spots left in this class. So who are going to be some of the names to watch the rest of the way that could potentially fill those spots? The First guy I'm going to mention, because I have gotten probably more questions about him recently than anyone else not named Justin Williams, and that is Nate Frazier at a matter day in California. I've told you guys a couple of weeks ago when we were talking recruiting more heavily for a couple of weeks there, this guy is awesome. I think he is one of the, if not the best running backs in this entire class. I love Chauncey Bowens. 
not Chauncey Billups. If you know, you know. But I love Chauncey Bowens. I think he is a really strong prospect. I think he's got the kind of power you want to see in a running back in the SEC. I think he has deceptive speed. I think he moves extraordinarily well in a short area. Really great acceleration. All the things I like to see in running backs, he's got all that stuff in spades. Now, Nate Frazier is just maybe a notch better. I got There's not a huge gap there, but I like Nate Frazier a little bit better. I think he has a little bit more home run speed. I think that even though he's not quite as big as Chauncey Bowens is, I think he runs with extraordinary power for a guy his size. He runs behind his pads. He keeps his legs moving on contact, which is one of the primary things I watch for running backs. Far too many running backs, when they get hit, they just go down. Like They, they just kind of feel like, oh yeah, well, when I get hit, I'm supposed to go down, so they just go down. I hate that. It drives me freaking crazy. You're a running back, freaking run the football. With Frazier, that's not a problem. When that dude gets hit, that's not a sign for him. That's not a signal for him to go down. That's just a signal for him to keep those legs churning. He will drive through contact, and I love it. I eat that stuff up. He's extraordinarily elusive. He's got that quick twitch ability. He's great in a short area, has outstanding vision, great burst. Like I think Justin Williams is the total package inside linebacker. I think Nate Frazier is the total package at running back. So I'm very hopeful that we can land this guy. We've been trending with him for a while. Now, pulling a guy all the way from California is tough, but we have a legitimate shot here. He's going to make an official visit to Athens for the South Carolina game. He saved his official visit. He took a bunch of official visits this summer, did not take one to Athens because he's never been to Athens for a game. So he saved that official visit to Georgia for the season. He'll be here week three against South Carolina. And it, he does, he might commit before then. I don't know. But if he does commit before then, I would not be shocked to see an in-season commitment from him after he makes that official visit to Georgia. Certainly not a done deal, but we are in really good shape here, really good position. And I'm excited about our opportunity to potentially add him to a running back group right now, running back class that I think is already awesome with Chauncey Bowens and Dwight Phillips. You add Nate Frazier to it, it might be the best Georgia running back class in recent memory. And that's a position we need to reload at. Like we've got some good players in that room right now, but do we have any like truly flat-out elite players that have proven that? I think Branson could be that, but outside of that, I mean, elite guys? I don't know. So we need to kind of restock at that position, and it's hard to do much better than a running back class, potentially, with Nate Frazier, Chauncey Bowens, and Dwight Phillips, who is speed personified. Now, one more guy I do want to talk about here real quickly, because I also get a lot of questions about him, is Williams Noweri. He's a defensive lineman out of Missouri, a top five prospect in the country, maybe the best player in the country, possibly. I think Ellis Robinson's really good, who's also on our commit list. I love Justin Williams. A lot of great players, and a lot of great players that we either have on our commit list or are certainly in the running for. But this guy is, uh, he's a big time defensive lineman. Now, he is not an interior guy. He could play five tech force, like the four eye, nine tech position force. You know, we do some odd fronts, some even front, depending on what we're in. He can kind of fill that role, but he's a guy that could be like a, a trade Trayvon Walker force, where he can rush the passer, he can set the edge against the run, he can drop into coverage a little bit. He's got that kind of athleticism, he's got outstanding length, he's extraordinarily explosive for a guy his size. He is absolutely 100% deserving of his ranking. And he's the number three guy in the country. I mean, he, that's what he is. He is a big time, big time prospect, 6'6, 265. 
And we are in a really good spot for him right now. I don't know if I would call us his flat-out leader. I also don't know that I would say we aren't his leader. We're certainly very, very much in the conversation in the top one or two. Missouri is the school right now to watch out for, okay? So he's a Missouri guy, goes to Lee Summit High School, Lee Summit North High School in Lee Summit, Missouri. So the home state pool is real. And Eli Drinkwitz... Is a, is a pretty solid recruiter. I know he's not viewed like that nationally, but he's done a pretty good job there. I mean, he just got done putting together the best recruiting class in Missouri history last year. And I know it's Missouri, so there's not much of a standard there, but still, he's done better than any coach has in Missouri history recruiting over the past couple of years. I mean, he beat us out for Luther Burden, which is a very similar situation to Nguyenary. People thought that we were going to land Burden, like we were the, the out-of-state school that was giving him the most to think about, but ultimately he ends up staying home and goes to Missouri. Maybe that happens again here in this situation. You absolutely cannot discount Missouri. You cannot discount Eli Drinkwitz here. He's already shown he can pull a big-time five-star in-state. But we also have the NFL thing, which also really helped us with Justin Williams. I mean, he flat out said, like, hey, I know Georgia is a tough place to come to, and it's not going to be easy. What do you say? It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but I'm that's what I want. I want to come to a place like that. That's going to be hard because they're going to get me ready for the NFL, which, oh, by the way, is another reason why I love Justin Williams. When you're a guy like that and you know that what you are walking into, like you know that this is not going to be a cakewalk and they're going to make you earn everything that you get and you still come there, that tells me something. That tells me something about the way that you were built. And that's that speaks even more about the type of player I think that he is ultimately going to end up being here in Athens. But anyway, let's get back, back to Nwari here. We can show him in a way that Missouri cannot, that we can put players at his position, not just in the NFL draft, not just in the first round, but as the number one overall pick in the draft. We have verified evidence of that. We have proof of concept. Missouri does not. They're selling him a vision, but there's no proof of concept there. So I think that works in our favor. Just remains to be seen. You never know when you're you're talking about recruiting. Now, one thing that should make us feel a little bit more comfortable here, and it doesn't necessarily mean everything, but it doesn't mean nothing either. So he cut his Missouri official visit short. It was the last weekend before the dead period, which actually uh, ends this weekend or this week. Guys can come back on campus this weekend. But that last official visit weekend, he was at Missouri, cut that visit short, and just so happened to make his way to Athens that Saturday night. Now, he didn't come to Georgia just to come to, to Athens. He has family in the Atlanta area, but still, he came to Georgia, was with his family, and decided to come all the way to Athens at night on Saturday night into Sunday for that one last final just unofficial visit. So that speaks volumes to me when it comes to where we stand with the number three prospect in the country. I always tell you guys, I'm not the first one to say it, I won't be the last one to say it, but I'm going to say it again, follow the visits. And he's another guy that his his decision timeline's been a little flexible. There was a point where we were thinking maybe sometime mid to late July. Then it was like August 1st. He had mentioned that date, but it doesn't like August 1st is going to be the date now. So who knows when it's going to be? It's one of those things it could happen anytime that he could just say, okay, I'm going to commit next week. You don't know. Just watch those things. We'll keep you updated here. But I do think he's a guy that could potentially announce his decision before his high school season starts. All right, guys, real quickly here, before I leave you today, I want to do at least a little bit of preview for the 2023 season. And I want to talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores. Again, I did not want to do a full episode on Vandy because I know that you probably don't care about that. But if I can fit it in, fit it in an episode like this, you know, why not? Let's go ahead and talk about it. Because, you know, I, I'm one of those weirdos that that's superstitious. And I feel like if I 
just completely ignore Vanderbilt that some way, somehow, like something crazy is going to happen and I don't want to be responsible for that. So we're going to talk at least a, a few minutes of Vanderbilt football here before we get out of here. Now, Vandy is an interesting team because this is a team that, you know, one of the more popular picks this preseason when it comes to the win total bets is Vandy over three and a half. A lot of people are all over that. When those when those numbers first came out, I saw a ton of people say, man, I'm all over Vandy. I'm like, huh, okay, yeah, I get it. They won five games last year. But is that something that they can replicate? Like, is that a replicable thing? I have my questions as to whether or not it is. Actually, I lean towards no. And there's a couple reasons why. Now, l- let me start with this. So you guys know, if you listen to the show for a while, you know that I like to use total yardage differential or total yardage margin, whatever you want to call it, same concept, right? The amount of yards you gain, subtract the amount of yards that you gave up from your opponent, gives you your total yardage margin, total yardage differential. Again, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a pretty good big picture look at how good you were. doesn't necessarily tell you exactly how many games you're going to win because there's also the luck factor in there, turnovers, special teams, all that kind of stuff. But Vandy last year, so they won five games. They were one win away from a bowl last year. I mean, they got close. They won two SEC games, which I didn't think that was possible, but some way, somehow they did. But here's the thing. Here's why I say it's not so replicable. Five wins. You know, tip of the cap, good for you, Vandy. But guys, they were minus 1360 last year. They were outgained by 1,360 yards on the season. Now, let me give you some context. So that might not mean anything to you right now. Let me read you some of the other teams that won five games and give you their total yards differential. So AM last year, five-win team, they were minus 50. They were outgained by 50 yards in the season. Arizona, five-win team, minus 75. Miami, five-win team, minus 100. West Virginia, five-win team, minus 150. Auburn, five-win team, minus 200. You get the idea. Where's Vandy? Oh yeah, all the way down there at the bottom, minus 1360. So there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight five-win teams in the Power Five last year. Of all eight teams, Vandy was by far the worst in terms of their total yardage margin. Now, Tech was the second worst. Tech was minus 920. They weren't really a five-win team either. Those two were kind of outliers. Everyone else was like minus 50, minus 75, minus 100. So if you look at Vandy at minus 1360, that really is the, the statistical profile of like a two-win team. So there were two one-win teams last year. You had Northwestern and Colorado. They were on average minus 1607. I mean, guys, there were four-win teams. Like Iowa State was plus 1,010 yards, and they won fewer games than Vanity. So they just were unlucky. I mean, uh, let's see, three-win teams. Virginia was minus 130. They were really like a two-win team that just got lucky. And I and I, I hate to use that word lucky. It's like, what does that even mean? Well, just some things went their way. And really what happened is they got their two SEC wins late in the season. And when you are a team like Vandy and you're still playing hard, I got to give them credit. They're still fighting hard because you can just give up at that point. When you're still fighting hard, you get late in the season. Some of the opponents that you have, their season might have just been wasted. Like they had high expectations and they fell flat. And now they're just kind of giving up like you saw with Florida to a lesser degree when Kentucky last year. Maybe there's some injuries. Like Kentucky had some injuries last year. Will Levis was injured. And if you're still fighting like Vandy was, gotta give him credit, you find a way to to win those football games. But you really weren't all that good. So I don't know, man. Like to get to four wins, four wins is possible. To five, I don't see them matching their win total from last year. I really don't see that. Now, if you look at the roster, 
There are some nice pieces. I think A.J. Swan at quarterback has a chance to develop into a pretty good quarterback. He was in and out of the lineup last year. Mike Wright was the other guy. He's now transferred out. He was like the, the dual threat, like explosive player with, with his legs. If any of you watched that Week 0 game against Hawaii last year, I mean, he just absolutely like burned them on one play. It was like an 80-yard touchdown run. That dude was freaking flying. That guy can move. But he has transferred out. So it is A.J. Swan. He was a true freshman last year. Did some good things, but also was highly inconsistent, which you would expect from a true freshman who also happens to play for Vanderbilt, doesn't have all the talent around him. But you saw some signs that he could be a guy that that could be a, a solid quarterback for him. I don't want to say elite. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't think he's going to be like Jay Cutler. But he could be better than your average, your typical Vandy quarterback. You could see him at times go through progressions pretty well. Didn't always make good decisions with the ball. Solid arm talent, pretty good accuracy. Again, you could see some of the signs, and you think that with another year in the system, now that he's the full-time starter, that he could certainly take a pretty big step forward this year. Will Shepard is one of the better returning receivers in the league. He was top three in receptions last year in the SEC. He's a guy that no one really talks about because he plays for Vanderbilt, and he's not an elite receiver in his own right, but he's a really, really good player. And Vandy doesn't typically have players like, like that. I know they had Jordan Matthews years and years ago, but they don't typically get players like this. I'm honestly shocked that Will Shepard did not transfer out, but he didn't. Good for him. He stayed there. Now, one play they do lose on offense was really the engine to their offense last year, Ray Davis at running back. He has transferred over to Kentucky. He was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. They are going to miss him. Jaden McGowan's also a really interesting player to watch them. He's a jitterbug, explosive type slot player. He's also a really good return guy, really small, small guy. Like their version of Isaiah McKenzie, like even smaller than Isaiah McKenzie, I guess. He's just kind of one of those fun guys to watch play. Now, their offensive line does have quite a few players coming back. I mean, they had eight linemen who started at least one game last year. Seven of those guys are back. Julian Hernandez probably highlights the bunch. He's their center, probably the best player on that offensive line. So they do have, I mean, by Vandy standards, all relative, they have some dudes coming back on the offensive line, which is a good starting point. Now, do they have the running back back there? They certainly don't have Ray Davis. We'll see what happens. But running back tends to be, unless you have like a truly elite guy, one of the more replaceable positions on the team, as you see with the NFL every single year now. But they have two good players, two good weapons on the outside, a quarterback that I think can take a big step forward as a sophomore, a lot of returners on the offensive line. So the offense could be better this year and by better I mean like not 13th or 12th in the league like maybe 9th or 10th possibly like maybe they could get up to that point I still need to see it to believe it but they have some pieces that give you a reason to believe like maybe they could be a little bit better on offense this year now defensively I don't know they were uh how do you say this um dreadful on defense last year. So they were 125th nationally in scoring defense, gave up 36 points per game. They were 126, 127th, I should say, nationally in points per play allowed, 123rd in total defense, 128 in yards per play. Hey, 83rd in third down percentage, 121st in yards per carry allowed, 128th nationally in passing defense, 126th in yards per attempt, 127th in quarterback rating, 112th in completion percentage. You get the idea. Really, really bad on defense last year. And it's one of those interesting things because Clark Lee, who I have a ton of respect for, I think he's done a hell of a job there at Vanderbilt. I think he's going to do a, continue to do a solid job there. But he's a defensive guy. He was the defense coordinator at Notre Dame before he took this job. So you would think he could be able to get the defense at least somewhat on track, like to respectability. But so far, that has not been the case. 
they do have seven starters returning on defense, which is which is something, right? Like I mean, like they weren't great last year, but you don't want to have like two returning starters. You want to have as many as you can, right? So they do have some experience coming back, but like how good are those players? Ethan Barr is a guy at linebacker. I think is pretty good. Like, he's a good solid tackler. I mean, he's fine. Like he's not a great player. He's he's a Vandy linebacker. He's not overly athletic. He's solid, decent, but nothing spectacular. I know they're really high on a freshman. He's a 6'4 guy. His name is Bryce Cowan. They're really high on him. And, you know, when you're as bad as you were last year, why not just throw the freshman out there? So he's a guy that apparently has a lot of really good athleticism and has drawn a lot of comparisons to Zach Cunningham, if you remember that name. So maybe you'll see him early in the season and give them a little jolt there in the middle of their defense, possibly. Their secondary has some solid players coming back. I mean, at the, at their, they're kind of, they have a safety hybrid linebacker position. They call it their anchor position. It's a guy named CJ Taylor. He thought about transferring out, ultimately decided to stay with Vandy, stay in Nashville. Uh, he had two touchdowns last year defensively. I think they were two fumble returns for touchdowns, if I remember correctly. But I'm not going to sit here and bore you with every single name on the Vanderbilt defense, as I know you probably don't care. If you want to know more, just hit me up on social media, and I'll be happy to share more information with you. But, you know, the the idea here with Vanderbilt's defense is that, yeah, they were terrible last year. Big picture, they were terrible last year. They have seven guys coming back, seven stars coming back. Those were the same guys that were playing last year. You expect them to take at least a, a solid, slight step forward this year. They do have some interesting freshmen to kind of work in, and I, I'm of the opinion that when you're as bad as you were last year on defense, clearly the guys you had coming back were part of the problem. So if you think you have some talented young guys, who cares if they aren't experienced? Throw them in there and see what they can make happen. I want to believe that Clark Lee can get this defense in shape. I mean, I guess I don't really want to believe because we have to play Vanderbilt, but I have a lot of respect for him, and I do think that he can get this defense on track eventually, but you're just working with a different kind of player. Like you just simply don't get the kind of players that you really need to consistently be able to stop elite SEC offenses. So I don't think Vinny's ever going to be great on defense, even under a guy like Clark Lee, who's had a lot of success as a defense coordinator in his career. But I think they can at least get back to competent, which they clearly were not last year. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. It is after one o'clock now. I am barely able to stay awake right now, but I want to make sure and get this out to you guys. Just one more quick reminder for you. If you get a chance, I would so greatly appreciate it if you would check out my first video on our new Glory UGA YouTube channel. I've been working my butt off on this over the past month or so behind the scenes, and I finally... I've gotten to the point where I can make a video and get it out there for you guys. Again, it might not be the best video you've ever seen, this first one, but uh, I'm going to get better. I'm going to keep working at it. I'm going to keep getting better at it. I think the first one's pretty good, you know, for a first shot. But I'd really love to hear what you guys think. And uh, I really appreciate it if you uh, have it in you to, to give it a shot and give it a, look, and give it a watch. Like, subscribe, all of that helps tremendously, guys. So thank you so much in advance. I really appreciate you. Love you guys. I got to get out of here. I'm going to fall asleep. I might pass out before I even get to bed. But thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for always being here. Appreciate you. I'm Tyler. We'll be back later this week one more time. And as always, go dogs.